This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we've got another awesome guest, Jorge Kenavati. He is the managing principal at ATX Capital, and he's going to tell us all about what he's up to here in Austin right now. Hey, Jorge, how are you? He's doing very well, Jordan. Yeah, how are you? Th thank you so much for coming on here. I'm doing great here today. Great. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Me too. Jorge, before we get started, most important question we ask here, what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? That's a good one. And the first one that comes to mind is one that I go to a lot. It's not really a restaurant, but uh, it's kind of, kind of a coffee place, Swedish Hill, uh, off of close to Mopac, uh, close to downtown. So just a very nice, uh, very nice coffee spot. I could probably go there uh, twice a week. It's gonna be redeveloped, so if if, if you want to try it, you probably have to get there sometime soon. Oh, Swedish Hill Bakery is gonna be redeveloped. Swedish Hill Bakery, yeah, yeah, it'll be that whole block is gonna be redeveloped. Wow, so that's on Sixth Street, correct? On West Six. That's right. That's right. Okay, awesome. I've heard a lot about it, but I've not been. But now I've got a good reason to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a good spot. Cool, Jorge. Can you? Just tell us who you are and how you're involved with real estate here in the Austin area. Sure. Um, I've been, I, I grew up with real estate. My family's been doing real estate for the last two generations. Uh, my grandfather was, uh, he bought some properties down in Mexico originally. Uh, and that's kind of how my family got into real estate. Uh, we've done some developments, some investments, and just, uh, Different, different kinds of investments within real estate. Me personally, I've been in the space for the last, uh, uh, for about the last 10 years uh, since I've been here in Austin. And I've dabbled in kind of different strategies. I've been in uh, on the investment side. I, I was working with a, a real estate private equity company here in Austin uh, for a year. Uh, then I moved on to work with a developer out of, out of Houston who does multifamily development. And for the last three years, we've been working on ATX Capital, which is a company based here in Austin. Uh, where we specialize in land investments. So what we do is uh, we look for properties in the Austin periphery that aren't quite ready to be developed, but that have uh, near-term development potential. When I say near-term, I mean um, in the next three to four years. So we don't look for properties that are kind of out there in the middle of nowhere um, that we're just acquiring speculative, speculatively. We buy properties very strategically where we know that perhaps it doesn't have uh, the utilities that it needs today, but there's a very viable path to acquiring utilities for the next uh, two or three years, mm -hmm. or a property that doesn't have zoning in place where we uh, reasonably expect that we'll be able to uh, acquire the necessary zoning. And so that's that's the strategy that we've been focusing on. And it's basically a strategy where we're not really competing with developers, but more so complementing their their business model. Because uh, we're buying basically raw land and turning that raw land into a shovel-ready site that we then look to sell to developers. 
Okay. So when when you say shovel-ready sites that you're selling to developers, are you selling subdivided or are you just selling the, the whole plat? Usually, it depends, depends on the size of the property that we acquire, uh, but usually we are subdividing. Uh, so we're usually buying anywhere between 30 to 100 acres. Mm-hmm. And so that usually involves, there usually involves some subdividing. So we, we look for properties that have commercial development potential, whether it's multifamily, built rent, uh, mixed use, retail, office, even industrial. Uh, but we don't target properties that only work for single family development. And so an important component of the properties properties that we look for or an important characteristic is having some kind of commercial frontage or frontage to a commercial road. And so we, we're usually subdividing into some uh, retail um, and then usually multifamily and sometimes another use or not, depending on, on the size of the site. Okay. So... Let's take a 30-acre site, for example. How many lots would that be subdivided into for your uses, uh, typically? Hey, guys. This is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. For a 30-acre site... We would probably, uh, depending on the commercial frontage that the property has, but we'd probably leave some retail paths up front and then maybe around 25 acres, uh, 20 to 25 acres for a multifamily or built for rent user. So we're not subdividing into tiny little pieces. We're more so uh, subdividing into uh, just for, for the uses that we need. Okay, so it totally depends. It depends is really more the answer. It totally depends. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I think everybody always wants a really clear answer, but it sounds like with what you're doing, it just depends what the uses are going to be. How do you determine what the uses are going to be? So it sounds like there's varying uses the land could have. How do you yeah. know what you want to aim for? Uh, so there's different fact, different things that go into it, but the big ones are um kind of i mean you can you can look at a property and kind of determine by its surrounding uses if the property is suited for retail multifamily or or more of a like an industrial use um we target properties that have a uh like a multifamily vocation but usually you also have to look at kind of what the city wants uh, the city usually they have either uh zoning plans or uh Properties that are outside the city limits, the cities will still have a what they call a future land use map, and mm-hmm. so uh, we try to look for properties uh, that where the future land use map aligns with what we want to see in a property. Uh, so that's another component that kind of drives what you can do on these sites. Another thing is utilities. Um, multifamily, for example, is a is a use that has a High requirement for for wastewater and water, and so you need certain utilities, certain utility capacity for that use that you may not need for for a different use. And so you kind of have to look at all these different components and and determine what a property is uh, well suited for. Okay, yeah. So uh, it sounds like a lot of it 
depends on what the city wants and needs. So they're using their zoning to kind of tell you what they want you to do with the land too. So it depends on whether a city is, whether you're inside the city limits mm-hmm. of, of a municipality, or you can be outside of the city limits, but within their ETJ, which is their extraterritorial jurisdiction, which means that even, even though you're not within the city limits, you're probably, you're in an area that the city has identified for future annexation. And so you still have, you still have to align yourself with, with what the city wants to see. Um, if you're outside city limits and you're outside ETJ, then you're only dealing with county requirements. You're still going to be in a county and you're, you're going to have to deal with county requirements, which are usually a lot less restrictive. But the issue is that uh, it's harder to get utilities if you're outside uh, of the city limits or, or the ETJ. So it's kind of, uh, you, you, you get one, but lose the other. So on the utility front, I know that's a big concern for a lot of people building single family homes. Will commercial tenants use well in septic tanks if that's all that's available out there? Some will, but most won't. Most okay. won't. So you usually do need uh, some kind of other, uh, either connecting to the city's infrastructure, or you can do what's called a a wastewater treatment plant is becoming more common these days when it comes to because a lot of a lot of sites that we look at have water uh but not wastewater so we we run into that, that scenario more than more than sites that have wastewater but don't have water right so we're usually having to solve for wastewater and there's there's ways to get creative uh another kind of solution that's becoming more prevalent here in the Austin market uh are the uh, what's called municipal utility districts where the developer kind of figures it out on its own. They build the the infrastructure that the site needs mm-hmm. um, and then get reimbursed uh, through uh, tax through, through tax that is paid by the ultimate users mm-hmm. of the development, whether it's the home buyers or or the or or the uses the users. But yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot that goes into it for sure. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Yeah, and those wastewater treatment plants, that's essentially just a sewer treatment plant, correct? Or sewage treatment plant? That's right. That's right. They're they're not cheap. That's right. Yeah. They're not cheap, but if that's what enables you to develop a 60, 70, or $80 million apartment project in a market where you think you can charge a certain amount of rents, then that cost may be justified. Absolutely. There's always a a, n- a number that works. So yeah, yeah, it's absolutely always about the numbers. So Jorge, do you just invest in the Austin area, Central Texas? Right now, we are really focused in Austin. Uh, we have some properties in the Houston market as well uh, that uh, we kind of bought uh, late 2010s, uh, so the, on the latter part of the last decade. But 
for the last three years and for the foreseeable, foreseeable future, we're focused here in Austin. It's such a, I mean, even though it's a small city when you compare it to Houston or Dallas, I mean, once you look at all the municipalities in and around Austin, like uh, we're doing business in Dripping Springs, Georgetown, mm -hmm. uh, we, we have a site under contract now in Plato. And so there's a lot of different municipalities. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of options here before we need to kind of expand to a different market. And there's a lot of learning that goes into each municipality in each part of Austin. So you need a lot of like hyper-localized knowledge in order to kind of know what you're doing with the strategy. And so it makes a lot more sense for us to specialize in one particular market. Because even in Austin, going from Dripping Springs to Georgetown to Hutter, you're dealing with different people with different requirements, with different neighbors, different history. And so there's, in, in even though you're in the Austin MSA, there are different markets within the MSA. And so we're just trying to stay focused in, in an area where, where, where we live, where we're close to and kind of master this area before venturing out into other cities. It makes sense. And Austin's just growing like crazy. So I don't think you're going to lose any opportunities just staying in town here. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jorge, I know you you come from a real estate family and you've kind of been in real estate your whole life, but what kept you in real estate? What kind of attracted you to real estate and and didn't make you want to go off and try something different? What was exciting about it for you? It's a great question. I think part of what was exciting for me is the fact that real estate is very open-ended and for someone with a like an entrepreneurial kind of mindset that likes to be creative and uh, in real estate you can really kind of carve your own path so right now we're doing land investment because when we kind of sat down and discussed and looked at different strategies and tried a lot of different things within real estate it's kind of the strategy that we identified uh makes sense right now and we're an opportunity right now but that may change in, in five years who knows but it's a it's an industry where uh, you can kind of be, be creative and carve your own path. Yeah, there's so many. And I think that's the exciting thing, but also a hard thing about being in real estate too, is there mm -hmm. are so many different objects and there's so many shiny objects. So you can, you can do anything, but I think it's smart that, you know, you sat down and you all picked, hey, we're going to work on land development rather than we're just going to do whatever comes up because there's so many things that are going to come up. Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to say no to all to the opportunities that come up, and it, and it, it's happened. It's happened to us many times where we kind of go under contract on a site with a new strategy that sounds interesting. It's kind of up and coming, and we look into it. And at the end of the day, we end up spending hours and hours and hours. And and usually, when you don't have a lot of, of information and something, everything looks like a good opportunity. But then once you actually kind of start digging in you start seeing the problems and, and why the grass isn't always greener and mm -hmm. so we've always kind of ended up uh, come back to the same strategy that, that we know and and that we've kind of uh, where we've developed the the know-how that we have right now and so we're but yeah it takes discipline to kind of say no to different strategies and different ways that you think you're going to be able to make a lot of money in, in real estate and kind of just stay focused and disciplined with one strategy Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, it's so hard to stay focused because it always feels like 
oh, this is going to be the the easy one, or this is going to be the easy strategy, and this is the strategy that's going to make me all this money with not so much work. But what I think what you find the the longer you work in real estate or invest in real estate is how you really make money is just sticking with something for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. I know people that have done well in, in every sector of real estate, but they've just picked it and they've stuck with it and gotten to be the best at it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's a, hard to do. It's easier said than done, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jorge, so I know you've been you've been working on land development here for a a while what did you do before that were you in real estate before this yeah so for the last three years we've been working here in atx capital which is very focused on on this strategy of land investment but before um i was working with a uh, with a real estate developer out of houston uh, on, on multifamily projects uh, and then before that i was with a real estate investment company here in austin more on the on the investment side so my role was more so uh analyzing deals uh from a from an lp investment standpoint jordan moorhead here really quickly wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us if you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions the moorhead team on youtube is the best place to be and then austin real estate investors on meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on okay so you were working for like a family office or a private equity fund that, that just did limited partner investments exactly passive exactly. investing yeah. okay with, yeah. with multi-family developers all multi-family mostly multi-family okay and then you worked for a multi-family developer out of houston uh-huh so you've got some... I think, yeah i think that's why a lot of the sides that we look for right now we kind of look for that multi-family development potential because it's kind of the product type that we understand really well and it's also where we have a lot of relationships in that space. So when we're looking at a property for as a potential acquisition, it's easy for us to understand what a multifamily developer wants to see in the property. Kind of look mm -hmm. three, four years into the future when we're going to be selling the property and see if it's something that uh, that a multifamily developer is going to want to see. Yeah, no, that's easy because you have that experience of knowing what they're looking for. Exactly. Cool. Uh, what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate investing? The biggest mistake I've made um, in real estate investment. So when, when we started out, when I started out, one of the mistakes that that kind of was a big lesson for me, and that I think something that we've been doing well over the last few years. But when we started out, we the, the, the to sum it up, the mistake is working with uh, consultants, call it either architects or engineers or or whatever kind of consultant that doesn't have direct experience with the product type that you want to develop or that you want to uh, work on. Uh, so for example, when we started out uh, and this, this is part of, the, part of the experience that I had as well, uh, was working on some office condominium developments mm -hmm. uh, and we were working with architects and civil engineers they were they were very good, uh, but they they had never developed or worked on the kind on the specific product type product type that we were looking to develop, and so that made it very challenging. And so, kind of what I do right now is always if I'm going to work with whether it's a planner, 
architect, engineer, whatever it is, I'm going to want to make sure that they have direct experience working on the specific product type as close as possible to what I'm to what I'm trying to do so that we're not reinventing the wheel. And the more we can avoid a scenario where we're reinventing the wheel, the better. And so that's kind of a, a lesson that I learned from now on. That I think that's something that today saves us a lot of time, whether it's with or or attorneys or whatever it is. Just work with mm-hmm. someone that has a lot of experience doing something that's identical, if not very similar to something that, that to what you want to do. Yeah, I think that's so important working with any sort of professional. I've had that same experience, whether it's with a lender or a real estate agent or, you know, like you said, contractor, lawyer, the people who are familiar with what you're trying to do make it so much easier because they've gone through the process multiple times and they know the shortcuts. They know how to get it done right and how to get it done fast. So, yeah. And and if you ask, if you ask any, nothing against them, right? But if you ask any architect or attorney or anything, they, they can you help me with this? They're always going to say yes. And mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're never going to tell you, no, actually, I think you should look for someone else who's better suited for that. They're always going to say yes. And they're going to tell you why they're the person for the job. And we kind of went with that, but now we, now we, we learn our lesson. Basically. Yeah. So now you look for somebody, you say, Hey, can you help me with this? And have you done it before? Have you done it? Yeah, exactly. We've done that exact same thing. Multiple times, hopefully. Multiple times. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, no, and that today makes things very easy for us on, on, on a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. It'll save you a lot of time and a lot of headache. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jorge, if you had to start over today in real estate investing or in the real estate investing sector, is there anything you'd do differently? Because you've had a, a pretty broad range of experience. You've done quite a few things. Yeah. Anything I'd do differently? Say you're 20 year, 21 years old, starting over. Would you yeah. do the same thing you've done today? I mean, we, it kind of goes back to your question of what I like about real estate because everybody kind of like, carves their their own path. And obviously the, the path that I took isn't the way that I um, kind of planned it. But um, if I if I would do it differently, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, because along the way, I mean, the, the relationships you've made and, and the kind of the lessons that you learn end up being very valuable. So I don't know if there's, if there's any specifically that comes to mind that 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 i would have done differently so the time you spent doing what you did you'd say it's worth it and you do it over again i think so I mean, okay probably. No. <laughs> i can i can understand that i think it like you said the the relationships made and the lessons learned are Sometimes more than worth it. Exactly. Exactly. What are your long-term goals for real estate investing and where do you see yourself going? You know, it sounds like you've got a good model now. Are you going to stick with this for a while or for the foreseeable future? Exactly. So we 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 have we feel like we have a good model that's taken us kind of years to develop. And over the last couple of years, we've because we've been working on this same like buying and, and investing in land for a while. But over the last two years, we've really kind of, uh, one, focused on this specific strategy, but also narrowed down 
within land investment, like what specific kind of sites we look for, what areas, um, and and all that. And so we're at a point where it probably makes sense for us to stick to the same strategy. And mm-hmm. uh, we were buying uh, two two or three sites a year, which is kind of a, the pace where we want to uh, be at. And so we're probably gonna uh, yeah continue to do this for a while. Hopefully, continue to to add sites because. What we like about about the strategy is that at the end of the day, what we're doing is buying and owning land in Austin, which is one of the fastest growing cities in the in the U.S. And and I mean, it's a strategy that requires some patience because you're not actively going in and leveraging and breaking ground and building, leasing, selling. It's a little bit more passive, but but if at the same time what we're doing is we're kind of growing a portfolio of lost in land and mm-hmm. so we definitely want to continue to, to do that uh so if you're buying two or three sites a year what's the average hold period for your projects the average hold period is about four years four years so let's say you if you buy two or three a year well you're about at the are you you selling or developing two to three a year then too so right now we're at a stage where we, we're selling some um uh, mm-hmm. The remaining ones that we have in Houston mainly, mm-hmm. but in on our Austin sites, we're still in that phase where we're acquiring. So on our first acquisitions, we haven't hit that four-year mark, and so we may sell them before the four years or not. But but we're kind of still in in that phase where we're still building our portfolio. But but to your point, we want to be in a position where we're in two or three years, we're every year disposing of. Two or three assets a year. Yeah, because that's how you create liquidity, right? Yeah, that's, that's how we. Uh, yeah, make the return is when we sell the site. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Just trying to make sure I understood the business model correctly. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite book you like to recommend, Jorge? There's a book that I'm reading right now that it's uh, on my bedside. It's called. I don't know how popular it is, but it's called The Little Prince. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I can't I can't tell you why or or who wrote it, but I know I've heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a book that I first read many years ago, probably in school. I don't remember, but uh that's a good good book. E- easy read to reread every every once in a while. What's uh what's the premise of the book? It's it's hard to describe, uh, but it's kind of a, you'll just have to check it out by yourself. It's I don't know how to describe it, but it's uh, kind of like keeping you uh, aware of like the things that matter, that really matter in life. It's kind of like mm-hmm. it's kind of the purpose. Of it. Is it a, is it a, and if I'm thinking the right book, is it a book that essentially is teaching a lesson by telling a story? Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. So, okay. Absolutely, I'll have to check it out. I swear I've heard about it, and somebody was raving about it, but I've not read it. So, yeah. yeah. How long is the book? It's pretty short. It's a short read. Okay. It's have a- you moved? Have you read Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah, I have. Great. Okay. Is it similar to that? No, not at all. No. <laughs> not at- okay. Now I really need to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, you should check it out. All right, the little let prince. Me know, let me know whether you like it or not. Absolutely. Or hey, how can people best get a hold of you? 
LinkedIn. I'm active on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, they can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, it should be a message, and I'm pretty good about replying there. Okay, so LinkedIn's best spot. Uh, and I assume it's just your name on LinkedIn? Yeah, that's right. All right. Um, so Jorge Canavati on LinkedIn, best spot to reach you? That's right. I can, I can also uh, give out my email uh, for anybody that's been interested in sending an email. Yeah, that'd be great. It's JCQ. That's my, my initials, JCQ at atxcapital.com. All right. Nice and easy. JCQ at atxcapital.com. Jorge, thank you so much for coming on here today. I really appreciate you telling us your story and about the strategies that you're pursuing here in Austin. Thank you, Jordan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you again. And we'll talk here soon. Sounds good. Have a good one.